Welcome to Northview Community Church. My name is Freddie, and I'm a pastoral intern on staff here. If you're new with us, I'd like to make you aware that you can go to our website and fill out a Connect card where you can learn more information about our church and the various programs that we run. If you're local, I wanna make you aware that you can actually attend at the Downs Road Campus or Mission. They're small services that feel intimate, but it's a great opportunity to gather with people again. If you're interested in coming to these, you need to sign up online or by calling into the church office, which you can do anytime after Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you sign up for the weekend service, but your weekend plans change and you can no longer attend, please let us know by emailing reception at northview.org or by calling the front desk at the Downs Road Campus. That way we can open that spot up for someone else who would like to attend. As Christians, we know that God hears our prayers. And here at Northview, we have a dedicated team of volunteers, staff, and elders that constantly are praying for people. If you have any requests that you would like to send in, please go to our website and go to the prayer page where you can send in requests. All right, now we're gonna join Nate, Jerry, and Stephanie as they lead us in some songs of worship to our God.
62 verses five to eight says, yes, my soul, find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress, I will not be shaken. My salvation and my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge.
Thanks for letting us in those songs, music team. Before we continue our sermon series in the book of Proverbs, we're going to take a moment to pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather together and to gather by distance and hear from your word, sing some songs, and to be presented with the person of Jesus. Lord, I ask that you bless the preacher as he teaches us from your word and that it takes an effect in our lives and the lives of anyone else who hears these, this message. We ask all these things in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, why don't you join me in Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1. This might feel a little weird because two weeks ago, Pastor Greg opened our sermon series and we were in Proverbs 1. And then last week, Pastor Ezra decided to take us almost to the end of the book and we were in Proverbs 30. Well, now I'm bringing us all the way back to Proverbs chapter 1. But there's a reason that I want to bring us back to Proverbs 1. It's because there's something that happens at the start of the book that I think if we miss it, we actually miss we miss the, the depth and the significance, the seriousness of the book of Proverbs. And the reason that I want to draw our attention to it is because I see in myself, and maybe, maybe you see in yourselves too, a bit, of a, a bit of a habit of reading the book of Proverbs in a way that I really shouldn't read it. I, let, let me put it this way. I read the book of Proverbs sometimes uh, just like I drive through Saskatchewan. You know, you're driving through Saskatchewan, you look on your right and you look on your left, and what do you see? Fields. Wonderful, blessed fields. And they all look almost exactly the same. You drive for an hour and you look to your right and you think, I have certainly seen that field before. Like an hour ago, there's no, I saw that. But then maybe you stumble into Moose Jaw and you see, wow, there's a statue of a moose. This is cool. I'm going to stop and I'm going to look at this. I'm going to admire it. For, there's a Tim Hortons across the road. Wonderful. I'm going to take advantage of that. This is great. I'm going to pause here for a minute. But by and large, you drive through, this, through Saskatchewan and everything just looks the same. It's all just common. It's all just what it is. That's how I feel sometimes when I read the book of Proverbs, particularly when, I, when I'm working my way through the scriptures, maybe in a bit of a, a Bible reading plan. I've started in Genesis. I'm moving to Revelation. I come to Proverbs and everything just begins to look exactly the same, right? The, the, the sentences, they're, they're all two, two lines when you get to, verse, or to chapter 10 all the way to, to chapter 29, and that they're all two sentences and they, they look exactly the same one to the next one. In fact, sometimes they are exactly the same. They're literally word for word, exactly the same. And you just kind of pass through it. You know, I, yeah, okay, I get it. I see it. This is great. And it starts to feel kind of common. You think, well, this is just common sense. Like everything, everything that I've just been taught in my life, I feel like I'm just reading it again in Proverbs. And so you just don't really pay attention until maybe, maybe you find something that, that grabs it and you realize this is something good. I want to I wanna pause here for a minute. I'm going to hover on it. I'm going to mull on it and it, maybe it's going to help. But I think this is the wrong way to read the book of Proverbs. It's the wrong way to read the book of Proverbs. I don't think it's the way that Solomon and the other writers of Proverbs intended for us to read it. I, I think there's actually only one way to read the book of Proverbs and to get, what, get from it what we should get from it. And that way is this. I think the only way to read the book of Proverbs is desperate for wisdom. Absolutely desperate for wisdom. Because I think if we're not, if we don't come to it with a sense of longing for what it offers, I don't think we're going to take hold of it. 
So what would motivate us to have that kind of an attitude toward the book? That's, I, I want to start there. What could motivate us to come to the book of Proverbs as plain, as boring, as simple, as, as repeating as it feels? What could motivate me to come to this book and long for what it offers me, long for wisdom? What could motivate that? Well, I think the answer to that is actually found at the start of the book, Proverbs 1, verse 7. Pastor Greg commented on this, but let me just bring us back to it because it's kind of the bedrock of, the, of everything that follows. If we miss this, we miss everything. And it says this, Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You, you'll probably have heard that time and time again. You'll probably have heard the more common, more, more popular Proverbs 9, which says uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the fear of the Lord, we're, we're right to understand that to be the chief guiding principle of every piece of wisdom that follows from here on out. If we don't understand the fear of God, then every bit of wisdom isn't going to make a difference. It, it, no matter how practical it may feel, you're not going to get it, and it's not going to help if you haven't begun with the fear of the Lord. But I think it's more than that. When it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, beginning of knowledge, it's more than simply saying that this is the starting place, right? The journey is I want to arrive at wisdom, and I'm going to start at the fear of the Lord. That's true. That's right. But there's more than that. Not only is it the starting place, but it's actually the initiating force. It's what drives me to want to get to wisdom because I fear the Lord because I, I look at God in his majesty in his awe in his wonder and I see his plan across the pages of scripture and particularly in the person of Jesus on the cross and I think man how amazing how sovereign is my God I tremble under him for who he is for how great he is and that trembling should lead me to say, God, I want to honor you. I want to be wise. Help me to be wise so that I would live in a way that honors you, that glorifies you, that magnifies my Savior. This, this is the way that we should read the book of Proverbs. This is what should motivate us to seek wisdom, is that we want to honor our Father. We want to honor God. We fear him. We revere him. But is that, is that generally the case? Yeah, no. I'm sure all of us share the sense that when we come to the book of Proverbs, we probably don't feel that way. We probably don't come and say, yes, I want to honor you. Help me find what I need to honor you and I'm going to do it. No, we kind of come and we mosey through it. Let me give, let me give you a, a little picture here. Uh, if, if my dad, when I was young and I still lived at home, my dad came to me and he said, Joshua, I want you to go upstairs. You're going to make your, you're going to make your bed and you're going to clean your room. This is the ideal picture. This is, this is what it should be. Dad, I want to honor you. I want to, I want to please you because you are my provider. You're my protector. You're my dad. You've given me life and you, you're going to keep me safe. We have fun together. Yes, I want to honor you. I'm going to run upstairs and in, in a fit of passion, I'm going to clean my room and I'll be back downstairs. And I come in and say, dad, dad, don't even, don't even recognize what I just did because this is just what it is to be a good son and I'm doing my duty. What else can I do, dad? That would be ideal. Uh, but what's reality? My dad comes to me and says, Joshua, would you make your bed and clean your room? okay, sure. I wander upstairs. 30 minutes later, my dad's looking at his watch and he says, where is he? And he comes upstairs, opens the door and he sees me wallowing in my wicked sin of not having cleaned my room. There's mess everywhere. And if, there, if it's maybe not there, he'll open the closet and it all falls out anyway. This, this is reality, right? I should be motivated. Why, why wouldn't I be motivated to honor my dad? He, he provides for me, he cares for me, he protects me, he loves me. Why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I want to honor him and obey him? Well, there's, a, there's an easy answer to that, and the scriptures are very clear. Sin. I'm a sinner. And so I don't want to obey my dad right away. 
I don't, I don't want to pursue honoring him, even though I know I should. Well, I think that's exactly what we see here. That's exactly what we feel when we come to the book of Proverbs. We, we should feel, yes, Father, I want to honor you. I want to seek wisdom so that I can glorify you, but we don't feel that. So what then would my dad have to do if I am sitting there in my sin in the middle of the mess? What, what would my dad have to do? He would have to rebuke me and present to me the consequences of my inaction, right? He would say to me, Joshua, if you don't make your bed, if you don't clean your room, this is what's going to happen. Either, either you're not going to get any dessert tonight. What's supper without dessert? Not good. Or, you know, we're not going to watch any TV. Or, no, you're not going to be able to come to the lake with the family. It could be, could be anything, but, but he lays out the consequences. He rebukes me. Because I need to be shaken up to realize this is a problem. It's not okay for me not to pursue what I should pursue. And that's what we find in chapter 1 of the book of Proverbs. That's what I want to draw our attention to. Is that wisdom immediately picking up on the fact that we're going to fail at longing to honor God with the fear of the Lord immediately picks up with a rebuke a rebuke and lays out to us the consequences of our failure to seek wisdom. And so if, you, if you've opened with me to Proverbs chapter one, let me read. We're gonna start at verse 20. I'm gonna go all the way to verse 33. This is wisdom's rebuke right at the beginning of the book. We can't miss it, okay? Proverbs one, verse 20. Out in the open, wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square. On top of the wall, she cries out. At the city gate, she makes her speech. All that is essentially to say, this is public knowledge. That wisdom is crying out to everybody. There's nobody who should miss this message. Wisdom is speaking to you. On top of the city gates, this is, this is for you. She's crying aloud. And the language there, she, she cries out. It, she's passionate. She's passionate. You need to hear this. And what does she say? How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will mockers delight in mockery and fools hate knowledge? Repent at my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard all my advice and do not accept my, my rebuke, I in turn will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you, when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord. Since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. That, that to say, I'm going to let them suffer the consequences of their action. Every action is going to have a reaction. It is going to amount in something. And failure to hear wisdom, well, there's going to be consequences and wisdom will back up and you'll just feel them. And then finally, verse 32, 33, wisdom summarizes it all together. And this is what I want us to zoom in on. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them. And the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. So wisdom cries out. We need to hear this. It's to you. It's public. Cries out, listen to me. Why do you love your simple ways? Why do you love mockery? Why do you do all this? Repent and turn to me. My hand is open. Take what I have to offer. But if you don't, if you don't, well, don't come back to me when you're suffering the consequences because it will be too late. And the summary of those consequences are in verse 32. And 
and the language is so strong that I think we just can't miss it at the start of this book. The waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. It, it, he's, not, he's not using light language. It's not that, you know, the waywardness of the simple is going to be a bit of an inconvenient. You might stub your toe. It's going to hurt for 10 seconds. No, no, no. It will kill you. It will kill you. So, so when we come to something like that, our, our temptation, again, is to drive through Saskatchewan as if, yeah, okay, sure. But we need, we need to hear something like that. And we need to stop and say, this is strong. This is, this, is not a, this is not a small thing. This is a big deal in the eyes of wisdom personified. So, so what do we do about it? This, this is what I want to do for our time together. I, I want us to look at these two categories of people because wisdom, wisdom zooms in on them. He zooms in, she zooms in on, on the simple. The waywardness of the simple will kill them. And then she zooms in on the fool. The, the complacency of the fool will destroy them. I want to know, this is my question, when I come to a rebuke like that, I want to know, is she talking to me? Is this, is this rebuke directed at me, Joshua? Am I, am I one of the simple? Or, or am I one of the fools? Do, maybe, maybe I don't even know it, and I am. This, this is what I want us to search out for a moment. And I hope it's going to be helpful, even for the remainder of our time in the book of Proverbs, because this language of the simple and the fool is going to come up time and time again. And we need to have a sense about who these people are. Who are the simple? Who is the fool? Is it me? Okay, so that's what we're going to do. We're going we're to ask that simple question. Who's the simple? And if it's me, I need to hear this rebuke. Who's the fool? If it's me, I need to hear this rebuke. And then we'll come around and say, okay, well, wh- what do I need to do when I hear this rebuke? What do I need to do about it? Okay, so let's, let's start with the simple. What does Proverbs, what does the book of Proverbs say about the simple? Who are the simple? Okay, so let's start, let's start chapter one, verse four. It's right at the beginning of the book. It's in the introduction. It says that the Proverbs are given for giving prudence to those who are simple. Now, if you reworked that sentence, essentially it's saying that that the the simple need prudence because they don't have it. So the simple, first thing, simple, the simple lack prudence. Prudence is a word to describe a, a lack of caution or thoughtfulness about the future. Let me give you a very simple example. A budget. The blessed budget. My wife and I are on the verge of escaping the season of life where all of our friends are getting married. I say escaping like it's a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's wonderful. We get the phone call. Somebody says, yeah, we got engaged. We're, praise God. This is amazing. We're excited for what's happening in your life. And then they'll say, hey, Joshua, I want you to be one of my groomsmen. You think, yes, I want to stand next to you. Two weeks later, you get an email from the, the best man. And he says, hey, guys, we're going to do this for the bachelor party. It's going to cost us each about 200 bucks. Oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it sounds fun. 200 bucks. And then you realize, well, there's this thing called a bridal shower, which apparently guys aren't invited to, but you have to bring a gift. So Shalane goes along and brings a gift, what we've spent maybe at least $40, so we're at $240. And then, and then I didn't think about the meals we were going to eat on the bachelor party, so well, there's another $40, bucks. so we're at $280. And then, and then it's the week of the wedding, and Shalane will say, well, well, Josh, we need to grab a gift for the wedding. What do you mean a gift? We've already spent $280 bucks on this thing. My presence is the gift. Well, no, you just don't do that. You bring a gift. Okay, well, there's, there's another 80 bucks, whatever it is. If we didn't have the prudence to come to the start of that month and say, well, we know this is coming. Let's plan for it. If we didn't do that, we'd get to the end of the month and we'd realize, oh my goodness, our spending is out the wazoo. We need, we need to reckon with this. That's a very simple example. But what you're going to see in the book of Proverbs 
is that every proverb, it, maybe not every proverb, but, but it goes in and out sometimes between what seems like it's just practical, earthly, what do I do in this situation kind of wisdom to a spiritual kind of wisdom, right? And, and the fear of the Lord uh, drives us to that thought sometimes. That sometimes the, the, the line between whether it's talking about spiritual things or whether it's talking about practical things is kind of blurry. In fact, Spurgeon makes a comment about that, about that in this book. He actually says he, he's very thankful that the line is not clear because then, then I'm forced to think about practical, real things in light of my spiritual life. And so let's put prudence in that sense. The, the simple are not only lacking in prudence when it comes to practical things, they're lacking in prudence when it comes to spiritual things. Uh, you, you have Jesus te- uh, giving a parable about his return. And he says there, there were 10 virgins who were waiting for the bridegroom to come back. Five of them were wise and they prepared for the future. They got extra oil in their lamps so that when the, grooms, or when the bridegroom would come, they could go out to him. But five of them were foolish. They didn't think about the future. They didn't plan for it. So we can, we can lack prudence both in, in just real budget life reality. We can also lack prudence in our spiritual lives. So the simple, first thing, simple lack prudence. Chapter 1, verse 22. We already read this. This is in Wisdom's Rebuke. How long will you who are simple love your simple ways? So here, wisdom itself says that the simple love their simple ways. What's another another way of putting that? I just do not want to change. I like the way things are, right? This is easy. This This is, what's what I've done my whole life. You're saying that that would be smarter. I get it. I just don't care. I don't want to change. I like the way things are. I love my simple ways. This, this defines the simple. All the way down, Proverbs 14, verse 15. says this, the simple believe anything. It's another way to put that. The simple are gullible. I worked at Jasper Park Lodge Golf Club for a summer. Uh, I was a golfer services attendant, which essentially meant that I was a servant to all the people who golfed there. It was wonderful. I actually really enjoyed it. Uh, but there was, one, there was one week where we hired on a couple of ladies to be our, our food and beverage cart drivers. They would drive around and sell drinks and sandwiches to the golfers. And they had a bit of downtime. It was not so busy one night. And the guy at the pro shop calls them in and says, hey, ladies, if you have a moment, can you go grab uh, in, the, in the workshop, can you go grab a pail of striped paint for me? We just need to use that in the back. Like, oh, yeah, sure, that'd be great. You zip off. We'd love to help. They're gone. They disappear for an hour. They finally return, and they say, Ryan, we couldn't find the striped paint. We checked everywhere. We checked every pail, and we're just kicking ourselves laughing because there's no such thing as striped paint. It just doesn't exist. It doesn't work. You can take two pails of different colors, and you can make a striped pattern. There's no such thing as one pail of striped paint, right? It's like going to fill up your blinker fluid. There are just certain things that people can be gullible into believing exist. Now, that's a, that's a silly way of putting it. The simple believe anything, but, but let's push that to its spiritual ends. This can be a really dangerous thing, and it is for a lot of people. Someone comes to you, you're, you're a brand new Christian, and they say, hey, the word of God is, is in fact exactly that. It's the very inspired, inerrant word of God. It's truthful in everything that it says. You think, well, that's great. Yes, I believe that. Someone else comes along, and they say to you, ooh, but have you seen? There's all these contradictions in the scriptures. There's all these things. There's not even proof that those people groups existed way back then. Now, you can't really trust that it's all truthful. You think, whoa, I didn't know that. Yes, you've got to be right. It can't all be truthful, right? And then the Christian comes back and says, well, no. And you're swaying between opinion and opinion and opinion because you cannot ground yourself anywhere. The simple will believe anything. No matter who they're around, their opinions join that group of people. 
Proverbs 22, verse 3, and Proverbs 27, 12, they say literally the exact same thing. This is, this is that field in Saskatchewan that looked exactly like the one an hour ago. They both literally say the same thing. The prudent see danger and take refuge, but the simple keep going and pay the penalty. So here again, prudent and simple are contrasted. So the simple lack prudence. They lack thoughtfulness and caution about the future. But, but here he, he zooms in on seeing something dangerous in the future. It's, it's like the prudent are walking on the path and they see a bear up ahead. And they say, honey, let's turn around. They go the other way. That would be prudent. Well, the simple would be on the same path and see that bear on the trail and say, honey, grab the camera. I want to get a picture of this thing. And then they die. The simple can see something that will be dangerous in the future, but are unwilling to change course just because it's too hard. It's not worth it. It's the way I was going anywhere. And they pay the penalty. This is the simple. And then here in our text today, Proverbs 132, wisdom characterizes the simple with this word, wayward. Wayward, which is a way to say aimless, directionless, the, the word is also used in the Old Testament to, to speak of apostasy, which is to say someone who, who looked like they were seeking the commandments of God, they were following after him, they believed in him, but then they just turned around. I want none of it. The, the direction of their lives turns away, wayward. So let, let, me, let me pull all that together, just, just so that we can get a sense, okay, this, make this a little more helpful. Let's pull all that together, and let me give you a, a, a brief definition. The simple, as Proverbs speak about them, the, sim- the simple willfully lack wisdom. They lack wisdom, they lack knowledge, they lack co- conviction, direction, and they're okay with it. They'd actually kind of like it that way, right? I, I prefer to do whatever I want to do. I love the way things are. Yes, that sounds wise, but this is easy. This, the simple willfully lack wisdom. They come to something like this and they say, yeah, I don't have that, and that's okay. That's all right with me. So when we see something like this in the book of Proverbs and we see the warning that's given to us in Proverbs 1, we, gotta, we have to go one step further and not just say, well, this was a great academic exercise. I've understood the simple in the book of Proverbs. We need to ask the question, does it include me? Would, would Proverbs describe me as simple? That's a good question. Do you find yourself ignorant of the future? You know, you, we're in a bit of a strange time even right now. Who knows what's going to come out on the other side of it? Have you thought about it? Have you thought about how it's going to impact your family, impact your future? Have you made any kind of plan that might course correct? Have you thought about the imminent return of Christ? Could be any day, honestly. We don't know the day or the hour. Well, have we been prudent to think about what will happen on that day? Would, would Proverbs describe us as simple? Because if it would, well, I sure need to be listening to this rebuke. Okay, so the simple are those who are willfully lacking wisdom. Let's, let's go to the fool. Let's survey Proverbs just for a moment. When we think of a fool today, generally, we think of somebody who just makes foolish decisions, right? We think of somebody who, uh, you know, they end up in the wrong crowd of friends and we say, well, that was foolish. You made a bad call. Yes, that's, that's one way to describe fool, uh, the fool. But in Proverbs, the, the language is actually so much stronger than that. So let me, let me start. Proverbs 1, verse 7. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So all of a sudden, the language is pretty strong. It's not, it's not simply that they, they don't have wisdom or instruction. They despise it. 
They despise it. And then much like it in in verse 22 of chapter 1. Fools hate knowledge. There's an active opposition to what's true. That's not to say that they're not brilliant. It's not to say that they don't have intellect, right? They might hate knowledge and despise instruction. It doesn't mean that in academic worlds, they're not brilliant people, right? They could be a brilliant philosopher. You could be a brilliant scientist and still be a fool because you hate the truth, right? I I have heard people listen to the gospel presentation or people who will read the Old Testament and they will say, no, your God, he's just a tyrant. He is an evil tyrant out for his own pleasure. He loves seeing people go to hell. Oh my goodness. What do you mean? If you're reading the same Bible I'm reading, we're not reading, we're not getting the same thing out of it. That's for sure. They just start with this opposition to what's true. They they just start at a a place that says everything you're about to say that, that though it may be true, I hate it. I just hate it. Fools despise wisdom. Proverbs 10.23 says this, A fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. Proverbs 13.19, Fools detest turning from evil. And then Proverbs 14.9, Fools mock the thought, sorry, fools mock making amends for sin. Well, that's strong. Fools, fools love, they take pleasure in their wicked schemes, right? They, they tell a bit of a lie and they get away with it. And they're like, that's great. I'm going to do that again. Fools, fools mock making amends for sin. Somebody comes up and says, hey, I'm sorry, I did this and this to you. And they're like, are you kidding me? Why would you, why would you tell me that? Just go and get away with it. Why would, you, why would you confess that you did something wrong? They mock making amends for sin. Proverbs 28, 26, those who trust in themselves are fools. And then much like it, Proverbs 12, 15, the way of fools seems right to them. Let me, let me, let me give you a, an example of this. Um, it was about a week ago or so, I was driving in Vancouver with Shalan, and we were coming back from a beach. It was a beautiful summer day. And we're heading home, and we're kind of on the road. I, I feel like I kind of know where I'm going. I'm like, yeah, I've been here. I've been here. Yeah, yeah, we're all good. And then Shalane says, oh, if you take this turn, well, yeah, it's a little quicker. And I think, oh, sure, I've never gone that way. All right. We take that turn. We go and we end up back to where we would have been. But for some reason, I'm, I'm confused, you know, as, as I am. And we're driving and, and Shalane hasn't said anything for a while. And so I think, well, okay, I guess we're on the right path. And then I see this turn up ahead and I think, oh, I think I have to make this turn. I'm pretty sure home is to the left. That's, that's the right way to go. And I make the turn and Shalane looks at me and she says, where are you going? I said, well, I'm going home. She said, well, that's not, that's not the turn. And all of a sudden I realized, goodness, I have taken the wrong turn. Well, here's what a fool would do. No, it is the right way. I'm, I'm certain, and I don't care what you think, this is the right way. This is the way I'm going to go because I want to go that way. It's also just kind of an angry person. But, but the fool goes the way that they think they should go. And their way seems right to them. That's, that's kind of scary. Their way seems right to them. I'm right. You're wrong. It doesn't matter if I'm actually wrong. I'm right. This is, this is the fool. And then in our text today, Proverbs 1.32, wisdom characterizes the fool with the word complacency, which is a, a way of saying that they're perfectly content with the way things are, even though they're contrary to truth. Right? They're, they're willingly unteachable. I just like being wi- the way I am. I love my wicked schemes. This is the fool. 
So it's a little stronger than the way that we would use the fool today. We would, we would again, use it to describe someone who just makes a bad decision. He has foolish. Well, the fool in scripture is someone who's morally degenerate. They hate what's right. So let me, let me sum, sum that up into a bit of a definition so it can be helpful for us. Fools willfully oppose wisdom. So where the simple willfully neglect or willfully lack wisdom, fools willfully oppose it. They just, they, they fight back against it. Yes, that makes sense. I get it, but I don't want it. I don't want that to be true. I'm going to fight that. that. That is the attitude of a fool. So again, we need to ask ourselves the, the next probing question. We can't just let this be an academic exercise of that's the fool in the book of Proverbs. Would the book of Proverbs describe me as a fool? Now, the, the tricky thing about this is I think it can come in, in two forms. I think it can be very blatant and obvious. There are certain people we look and we say, yes, I'm sad to say that Proverbs would describe them as a fool. But then there are some whose foolishness seethes seemingly unnoticeable underneath the surface. You, you can hate wisdom and, and despise instruction without anybody knowing it. So would, would the book of Proverbs describe you or me as a fool? Because if it would, if I'm willfully opposed to what's right and wisdom and instruction, if I oppose it, I need to be hearing this rebuke right now. So that's the simple and that's the, that's the fool. Okay? Let those be guiding guiding definitions as we continue to read the book of Proverbs, but let it continue to probe us to ask ourselves, is, it, is that me? But now we need, to move to, we need to move to an application because as much as, as much as to say, probe yourself and ask whether or not you are uh, the fool or the simple is a bit of an application. I need, I need to zoom in here a little bit further. Let me drive it home with two points, okay? My first point is this. Be honest with yourself. Be honest with yourself. As I was preparing for this sermon, I was looking through the book of Proverbs, wondering what text I was going to preach on because there's 31 chapters. It's a lot of Proverbs. I stumbled on Proverbs 14, verse 10. And I thought, man, this is great. It, it's a wonderfully unique proverb. So let me read it to you because it applies to what we're just about to say. Proverbs 14, 10 says this. Each heart knows its own bitterness and no one else can share its joy. Essentially, it's this profound affirmation of the uniqueness of an individual. Your heart knows your joy. Your heart knows its bitterness. I can't look at you and know it, but you know it. You know what's on the inside of you. Only you and the Lord who searches all things knows what's going on inside. And so my, my first application to you, my first exhortation for you is to be honest with yourself. When you, when you look through the book of Proverbs, when you hear even some that we've read today, does does your heart condemn you? Say, huh, maybe I am a simple. Maybe, maybe I am a fool. And I didn't know it. But, but we as, as humans, we're, we're masters at the art of self-deception. When I was in grade 12, um, I had moved to Saskatchewan for last year of, of school. And it was a Christian school. So in Jasper, where I grew up, I was known as the nice guy because... Um, there wasn't a lot of other kind people. So I was known as the nice guy. I kind of liked it. I liked being known as a nice guy. Um, I, I started to become pretty proud of that. I moved to, to Saskatchewan, went to this Christian school, and all of a sudden, everybody's a nice guy at Christian school. 
Well, okay, well, if I'm not going to be the nice guy, what do I got to be? Well, I'm going to be the godly guy. And so what I would do is, is I would present myself to everybody as if I was wise, as if I was godly. And I came to the end of that year, and I was walking across the stage at our, at our graduation to receive what was called the Walter Much Award, which is an award given to a, to a student that, that had godly characteristics, had wisdom, and you were voted on by your fellow classmate. And they voted for me. I didn't get the full award by the grace of God because I didn't deserve it. Um, but I got the honorable mention. And I walked across the stage and, and I knew that I had tricked every single one of them. That in my heart, I was not godly. In my heart, I was not wise. I wanted them to think that of me and I'd done such a good job that they would vote for me. And it was, it was actually the night where God, God really gripped my heart to recognize my own pride. That I had thought that I could be something that I, I couldn't be apart from him. But I was a master at self-deception. I actually thought I was pursuing Christ. I thought I was pursuing godliness, but what I was pursuing was my own pride. Be honest with yourself. Take a moment to back up and ask, am I actually who I think I am? Or are there some sinister things going on inside of me? Secondly, first point, be honest for wisdom. Second, sorry, be, be honest with yourself. Secondly, be desperate for wisdom. This, again, is what I think is, the, is what happens at the start of the book. Proverbs chapter one, we can't miss it if we start here to go into the rest of the book and say, how should I read this? I should read it in one way. I should be desperate for wisdom. Because otherwise, otherwise, I'm just going to read through it and say, ah, I know that, I got it, I've been there, done that. But the way we need to read it is to come to every proverb and try to wring out whatever wisdom we can possibly gather from it so that I might honor my Father in heaven. I want to honor him. And so the only way that we need to read this book, the way we should read this book, is desperate for what it offers us, desperate for wisdom. Uh, let, let me read the very next few verses after what we just read. Proverbs 2, verses 1 to 6, gives us a description of how to search for this wisdom. It says this, My son, if you accept my words and store up my commandments within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Then you'll find it. If you search for it as if it's hidden treasure, like it's silver to be found in the rock of a cave, search for it, dig for it. Then you'll find it. But otherwise, you'll pass it right by. You won't even know it. Be desperate for wisdom. And Lord willing, our motivation is to honor him in that desperation. So let me, let me wrap up. This rebuke might be for us. In fact, I, I think no matter who we are, uh, we should hear it, right? Um, I have a struggle to say that if there's all these categories, the simple, the fool, and the wise, I would struggle to say I, I'm in the wise. I don't know if I will ever get to the point where I will say I'm in the wise. So where else do I fit? Oftentimes I feel pretty simple, you know? I need to hear this rebuke. But, but I, need to, I need to couch everything that, that we understand in the book of Proverbs as every text of scripture in the gospel. 
The temptation is to soften the blow of the rebuke, but I don't want to do that. I just want to frame it by saying this. In the New Testament, we, we have both Romans 3 and Galatians 3 that will tell us that the law, the purpose for the law, right? The, the old covenant law was to, was to point out transgression. It was to help us understand that we were sinful and we need a savior. That's why the law was put in place. Not so we could actually fulfill it to become righteous. The same is true of the book of Proverbs in a different way. What we're going to find is wisdom presented to us. But what we're going to feel is I do not measure up. I'm not wise. Even though it's calling me to be wise, even though I want to be wise to honor my father, I'm not wise. Well, the point then is not to point you to wisdom so that you can attain it of your own strength. The point is to help you realize you're not wise. And what do you need? You need a savior who will rescue you from your foolishness. You need the one who really is wise, who truly is wise to come take hold of your heart and rescue you from a heart that's twisted toward evil. That this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, that though, though we were enemies of God, though we wandered in our foolishness, he would send his son to love those who opposed him, to suffer on a cross, to pay the penalty of our foolishness, the penalty of our sin, so that we might live wisely, righteously before him and enjoy him forever. The glorious gospel. So when we come to a book of Proverbs, we, we want to search it for all that it, has offer, all that it offers. But remembering that we're not just searching for a thing. We're not searching for wisdom. We're searching for God. Because he himself is the author of wisdom. It is found in him. So if we need to, let's hear this rebuke. And if we don't need to, let's still hear this rebuke. Be good for us. And let's search for wisdom with all our hearts. Okay? Well, let me pray. God, we are so thankful for your word. We are thankful for how it searches us. It, it probes into places where our eyes can't even see. And so we pray that you would make known to us any wicked way, any, any, any foolishness that maybe we don't see, any, anything that would define us as the simple. God, we just pray. We pray for your help. We pray that, that your Holy Spirit would guide us in the pursuit of wisdom and that we would be motivated to honor our Father in heaven, to honor him and seek out wisdom to be servants who honor and please and glorify our King. So God, thank you again for this, this service. Thank you for this word. And we pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for that word, Pastor Joshua. As we continue our service, another way that we worship God is through giving. If you want to partner with us in giving, you can go online, you can text to give, or you can drop off a check during normal business hours. Now back to the music team as they lead us in one more song to close.
Thank you for joining us today for our service. I'd like to send you out with a blessing from God's word. Ephesians 6, 23 to 24. Peace to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. Have a great day.